Our first lesson in this Easter season has always been taken from the book of Acts, and I've chosen to preach on these readings from Acts throughout Easter time. So this morning is no different. We have a lesson from Acts chapter 20. And here the Apostle Paul is meeting with some elders from Ephesus, some overseers, uh, something close to what we would say as a pastor in a congregation. A group of them have met with the Apostle Paul on the side of the shore as they say farewell. So with these weighty words, the Apostle Paul addresses these elders and encourages them to be shepherds of God's flock. This is what Paul says in this section. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of the Lord. I get to be here twice on a Sunday morning for church. Those words. There would I find a settled rest while others go and come. Other kinds of rest. No more a stranger. No more a guest. But like a child at home. A shepherd. What it means to us, it's, it's like this home run of a Sunday, every church year, to come in and just say the word, Good Shepherd, and let you think about all the things aimed to be brought into that little, pathetic, weak sheep life we have in, in Jesus' name that is ours because he is who he is and he lives. Makes all the difference in the world. You listen to a Paul on that beach. Listen to a Paul on that beach in Acts 20, looking at the elders eyeball to eyeball and what it meant for him to talk about the work, to talk about shepherding. This was goodbye. I think I hinted at that before, but... He just said to them, not because Paul's omniscient and knows everything, but because he's, he said, the Spirit has revealed to me, the Holy Spirit helped him through all these challenging stages of his ministry and the suffering that Paul would endure in Jesus' name. And one of those things was telling them, you're going to Jerusalem, you're not coming back to Ephesus. And Paul says, I'm not coming back. And I think it was the first time they heard it. There on the beach, they recognized they were staring at the servant of God, Apostle Paul, who had been with them day and night with tears, warning them, training them in the word of God, shepherding them along so they could shepherd others. Now he says, 
I'm seeing you for the last time. You have that thick weight in their interaction here at the beach. By the time Paul is done speaking, which he's got a couple words after this, you go look at the whole chapter if you like later on. By the time he's done speaking, they embrace, they kiss, they hug, they weep, and they wave goodbye as they put him on a boat. That's where we are. There's an anecdote to this that I thought of sharing with you. When we were in Georgia serving there, we made a trip to Pensacola, Florida, and um, on the bay of Pensacola is a naval air base, and they had a free museum, like ginormous, and the kids could sit in like a thousand cockpits that day and press all the fake buttons and stuff and see what it was like to be in that plane. So the naval has its own like fleet, and and I don't I guess. I need to get to Colorado Springs still, but this was the home of the Blue Angels, not the Thunderbirds, you know, and they, we had a campsite at Fort something, an old fort, unused, and they had a little campground there where you could like drive 45 minutes around the bay, kind of on this like isthmus sandbar, long, big sandbar with a campground on it. So that sounded like a great spot for 30 bucks a night <laughs> camping. And the Blue Angels flying over your heads as they practice is pretty cool. And part of that museum day, though, not, not just sitting in the cockpits, was getting into a tour bus. And there was a man who, since the 1970s, had trained um, naval air pilots on these different planes. And so he's driving you the bus through kind of like a plane graveyard, a big parking lot of old pl retired planes telling you stories of their history and use in the Navy. And this is where you could hear a pin drop on a bus because nobody wanted to miss out on the stories of why we had to design this one, what it needed to do to protect people for safety and the stories that came along with what happened to this one in specific, or the pilot that flew it, and the sacrifices that were made. I say all of that because it was just like this washing over you. You couldn't help but want to know, what did he say? How was that one used? And what a story, like a movie could be made out of any one of these planes and their stories. And today, you and I sit together, and Jesus said, I'm the one who lays down his life for the sheep. And he, he underscores how unique and different that is, that there's a hired hand, that when the wolf comes, he doesn't own, doesn't care, runs away. And the wolf scatters the flock and destroys it. But I'm the good shepherd I lay down my life for the sheep. I am this, and he still is today. There's something before Paul gets to that beach. There's something Jesus has said about his good shepherding role to care and comfort his people with the shepherd's voice, one shepherd, one flock for all of time. And it's beautiful. Weighty. Serious and important. Even Jesus talks about wolves. 
And so when the Apostle Paul gathers together, he, he brings this huge thickness into their work as a church, their work and ministry as a congregation in Ephesus, their task as overseers, as being people who are going to stand in front of others like a pastor might and say, this is what God says. And the way Paul casts this is powerful reminder for all of us of what it is to have Jesus as our good shepherd and to listen to his word and no other. Because he says from the get-go, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. We are not in a dynamic of a self-chosen like profession and location and I, I just felt like being a pastor. I just felt like starting a congregation and so this happened. No, you called me. The Holy Spirit through the congregation calls a pastor into its midst. You are the servants of God and you get a servant to serve the servants that you might stay close to your God and listening to his voice all your days. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers as looking those pastor boys in the eyes and saying, you are not the boss. It is not your word. It is not your likability. It is not your love. It is not your you that is serving that church. The Holy Spirit has given you a charge. If you've ever heard of like the office of the ministry or calling it like a pastoral office, office word is only used to recognize this fact that it is the property of no man. You belong to God. And God gives servants to keep it that way. God is the boss. One good shepherd, one flock, right? And you are to view it this way. No attachment to a person, but an attachment to the word. First John 4 tests the spirits to see that they come from God, not from your pastor. Pastor, what do you think? But that they would come from God. What does God say is the name of the game around here. It's an entirely different matter. And you see that all of these words are not only reflecting the powerful presence and blessing of God who's with his flock, but also the need that flock has to be cared for. And that start, the first word Paul says was to the shepherds, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, because we all are sheep. You have a flawed pastor. You knew that already. You have a flawed, sinful pastor. We have a flawed, sinful congregation. And if we are not strengthened, restored, renewed, blessed by the word of God, we will become nothing. We are who we are because of the shepherd in our midst. We need that shepherd. I don't know if you saw a video. I don't know why it started circulating on Facebook, but it was. And... I happened to see it and I'm going to share it with you because it was just perfect for Good Shepherd Sunday because the video starts with like these, there's a little, there's a boy, maybe about 11, 12 or 14 years old, I don't remember, and he's pulling on these two hooves out of a, out of a trench. So there's this long cut trench, it's only like this wide, okay? 
It's barely big enough for a sheep to even fit in. But there it is, a trench. It goes like blocks ahead down the line with some piping. I think they're going to lay this piping down in this trench. So there's this trench, and this boy's down there, and he's pulling on these hooves to pull this sheep that had gone headlong into that trench and to pull it out. So the boy reaches down, and he gets the sheep up in his arms, you know, and he steps out of the trench, or over the trench. It was only that big of a step. And he sets the sheep down on the other side. And the video is just perfect because the next thing that happens is the sheep just jumping and bounding off down along the side of that trench. And then it's going to, it sees the trench and it's going to jump over the trench and it goes, whoop! Oh, it's right back into the headlong, into that trench again. <laughs> and then, and then it, so it's, it was like on loop. It was like a meme or something. It was on loop. And so you're watching, you go back, and just pulling out of the trench and carrying it, sending it down. Oh, right back in. Oh, it's like if that wasn't a perfect illustration for this pastor or this people that we needed on Good Shepherd Sunday, the nature of our hearts and lives, the need Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. when we think about coming together under the word of God and the purpose of our work together, you think about it in terms of that need and meeting it with a good shepherd's voice. So that we would be instructed and guided as the Apostle Paul was giving to those ministers, we'd be instructed and guided to be a pastor who needs to run to the green pastures and the quiet waters and to know what good food is for my soul before I bother preparing any meal for a Sunday morning for us to feast on as a flock and as a congregation. And that you, as a sheep, would have direct specific requirements to say those words need to be green grass. Those words need to be clear waters. My soul thirsts. My soul has need to be restored. I need to be pulled out of the trench again. What is going to bring me out and put me on all the flat ground that was nearby? What's going to save me from me? What's going to give me real lasting comfort? That's what the good shepherd says, whom he bought with his own blood. It's built into all of this. The gospel is the good news that we need. The clarity of Christ for you, Christ for me, is what I need to remain crystal clear in any preaching and teaching ministry that's going to bear his name. At the very end of this section, we read before, as Paul is going to leave, he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of of his grace, which can build you up. See, he knows what makes sheep strong. And he's chosen that word carefully, just one, just one word, the word of his 
the word of his, the word of his grace, I know it's going to grab that wandering, lost, straying, falling into the ditch, over and over again, sheep's hoof, and pull you back to safety. It's going to be but by the grace of God that we depend on to rescue us from ourselves. You come back weekly, needing to be reminded of sin and restored in the name of Jesus, who took your sins away and bought you with blood. It is the word of his grace to you. That is your good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep, taking it up again and proclaiming to you life in his name, not in my name, not in some other name. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, one shepherd, one flock, we remain united only in the good news, crystal clear gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus by grace alone. The word of grace. Another thing that Paul does is he is doing all of this to change our attachment to each other. So that as overseers think of their responsibility to God to a flock, they're being attached under God to each other. That you and I would see the souls around us as important because they're important to God. To say, which he bought with his own blood, and to say, I'm the good shepherd who laid down my life for the sheep, it's a sacerdotal pattern for any shepherding you would ever do. For any speaking his word you would ever do would have an attachment to that sheep in imitation and for the sake of Jesus, giving your life to this. Knowing his attachment by the gospel is the all-important marriage you want to make between the sinner and the Savior. So that when I think about my family, I don't think about someone that's my spouse and I love you because you're my spouse. I think of someone primarily, God loves them, and first and foremost is the family of faith, and I love you because God loves you, and you are a gift to me of a spouse, and you are a gift to me of a child, and you are a gift to me as a congregation, to, as a bless, rich blessings in my life. But number one is the family of faith, not, not blood relationships or anything like that. This is the difference that is made then for Christian parenting and just parenting. It's one of the ways it steps in to recognize that I am blessed under God to have this calling as a parent and Christian parenting that steps in to say, you need the shepherd's voice, not mama's voice. You need the shepherd's voice, not just daddy's voice. You need to know the shepherd's love, not my love. I'm not the boss. God is. It translates in application to all these other ministries of the word of God. It's not just a word. You, obviously, Paul is applying this to pastors in his presence, those who are going to go and shepherd God's people in that congregational role. But it is, has implications for all relationships when you take the name of Jesus on your lips and you dare to feed a soul with the word of God, that you would feed it 
with God's word, not your word. You'd feed it with God's love and show it God's love, not yours. You would recognize the value of every person around you because of their value to God, not their value to you, first and foremost. Be shepherds of the church of God. God's people, not yours. That that says something to me as a spouse. It says something to me as a friend. It's not just my friend, not just my spouse. Someone belonging to God. Now, faithful service then means as that attachment has grown to full bloom that we circle the wagons and we protect that. We shepherd that in Jesus. So Paul encourages the shepherds as he recognizes the future coming of false teachers. He says, I know that after I go, savage wolves will come and they will not spare the flock. There's two things that Paul is saying with that. The first is how to describe a wolf. What would you say about false teaching? Quibbling about words? Doesn't matter? Something false that's a little bit different from the way the Bible says it? Is it just a false teaching? Have we, have we used the word false teaching so much that it's kind of lost its stench in the nose or its danger to our souls? What does Paul say? Savage wolves, not puppy dogs. You're not going to say, hey, wolf, is your tail wagging? Would you like to come over here so I can pet you? You want to play a game of fetch? You don't do that with a savage wolf. A savage wolf seeks to scatter, divide up the flock, and devour it. This is the approach we have to false teaching. It's not the approach we have. It's the approach of a shepherd. It's the words of the good shepherd. Savage wolves will come in. And the second thing he says, after saying they're savage, they will not spare the flock. We can never think that we will be immune to the temptation of false teaching. Or that this would never, like, okay, Lutheran Church has all its ducks in a row, and there's nothing to watch out for or guard ourselves against. This is regular responsibility. What are you feeding yourself or those around you when it comes to the word of God? How are you approaching those things? It will not spare the flock. It will come and is necessary. So it turns all of this into this important calling we have to continue to dive into God's word and be blessed by knowing the difference between the shepherd's voice and the savage wolf, and what he sounds like to lead us astray. This is Bible study. This is growth in the word. This is what you committed to as a disciple of Jesus, to say, I want to grow in this, to know your voice and to make distinctions from all the others. So can I make this request of you today? Would you pray for me? Pray that your pastor be faithful to the word of God. Pray that I grow in it, that I learn it, that I study it, memorize it, that I believe it, and share it faithfully. Would you pray for me that I'd be energized by my good shepherd to exemplify a lifestyle that would not offend anyone? 
a lifestyle that is in his name, that shows respect for the word of God, honors and glorifies him in your sight and among you. You pray for that, for your pastor. You pray for that for one another. That the way we would grow would be deeper in the word and not grow further apart from our catechism days, further apart from the things we once laid on the heart and memorized, further apart from the truths that we studied and sat at the table and learned, but know that we'd go further in and know it better because of the danger of false teaching. And that you'd pray that you'd exemplify life in your families and among your friends that would sparkle and shine for Jesus. These are all things that come to the table here in Paul's preaching to them as he commits them to God and the word of his grace. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a lot of work to do. Important work, daily work, growth in our Lord and living in his name. May God, our good shepherd, continue to be with us and bless us as we do it. They may bring to fruition all of his wonderful care in our care for one another. Be shepherds. Be shepherds. Amen.